You're listening to All the King's Men. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and other contributors. They do not necessarily represent those of the Los Angeles Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the King's Men. The Kings have just wrapped up their development camp, and free agency starts tomorrow, possibly today, depending on when you listen to this. To discuss both of those things, we turn, of course, to LA Kings insider John Rosen, and from NHL.com and the great city of Buffalo, Joe Yarden. But before that, a quick chat with LA Kings general manager Rob Blake about some of the younger players in the Kings system. Just what you think about the progress and the evolution of the players' product from Ontario this season. How closely you'll be monitoring them yeah. through oh, the players. I think this is the first time in a long time you've seen this many young guys injected into the lineup. Um, you know, and, and so it gives us a good sense of where they're at in their careers and where they can go to. Um, I'll rely heavily on, obviously, our development staff. They spend a ton of time with these guys to take the next step, not just to play in the league, but to win in the league. A lot of emphasis being put on speed yeah. uh, in the game. Obviously, Kemp and Brodzinski, tons of speed. Mm-hmm. Um, how pleased were you with their with their brief stint this I, season? I thought uh, Adrian was was very good, very similar to the way he does it. You you see his speed in the neutral zone. You see it checking. Um, you know, and he's going to exploit players with that. Johnny did a lot of what he did when he first got to the American League. He had a lot of chances. You know, didn't capitalize on a goal. But you see his release. You see his shot. And you see his awareness. So I I think. You know, getting them a taste of it and understanding that next year they got to be in that role. As a right shooting defenseman, uh, soft spot in your heart for quality. Yeah, played very well. You know, <laughs> came up and uh, competitive. He's, he, he, I wouldn't say overall fast, but he's quick. You know, and uh, um, you know, I, I, I do. I like the gravel. I think uh, gravel's been good. I thought uh, Forbert's emergence this year. You know, it gives us a lot of options on the back end. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. Joining me now, LA Kings insider John Rosen. How are you doing today, John? Good. I feel this is uh, the first time that we have recorded the podcast in front of a crowd. Yeah, that's right. And face-to-face, I think. Face-to-face, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't even like doing anything face-to-face. I just like <laughs> tweeting and checking email. This is all too IRL for me. If only there was a way to text podcasts. Oh, man. That's it. That is text-to-speech. That would be good for, for transcribing, too. So uh, you and I have spent the last four days watching development camp. Uh, not the most exciting task in the world, but uh, someone's got to do it now. Uh, obviously, it's difficult to pinpoint and too much watching just drills. But was there anybody that stood out to you over those four days? You know, we're, it's hard to get that type of information from um, a hockey operation. I'll share who I who I mm-hmm. like in a second. But generally, when you ask those types of questions, who's who stood out? You're not going to get specific answers right. on the record from from hockey ops. You know, it's about development. Um, it's not you know who is capable of this, who is capable of that. With all that being said, <laughs> um, from the first session on the ice on Tuesday morning with the forwards, I liked Matt Luff's game. Mm. Uh, this is going to be a really interesting case this coming year uh, where Matt Luff uh, is a potential to play in either the OHL or the AHL. Mm-hmm. When you are 20 years old, you can return to major yeah. junior hockey. Each uh, major junior team can have three 20-year-olds. Um, so I think going into camp, the expectation was that uh, he would be a player that would most likely be ticketed for OHL uh, Hamilton. And I think with what he's been able to show, you know, the, the 25 goals this past year in a partial season, uh, and showing what he has shown at, at development camp, I think he's got a really decent chance to make the Ontario Rain this year. It's not going to say he's going to. I think a lot of it will have to go into competition. Is, is Austin Wagner fully healthy? 
those types of questions. But um, from the limited uh, amount of information that I could glean, uh, just in speaking with a, a couple people within the Kings organization, you know, they like really like the way that his game has come through with development. Uh, and he has a skill set that's uh, somewhat similar to Tanner Pearson. He, he gets up and down the ice very well. He skates well. He can forecheck. And he's got a really good shot, uh, something that I noticed from him at training camp. I thought he had a really good day on Tuesday, maybe on Wednesday, not quite at that same level. Uh, was that you saw a little frustration maybe uh, when he would look up to the sky you know, and, and think that you know, I have the ability to be able to do this. I can't show it on this particular drill. So that was just anecdotally something I saw. I thought he was good. Uh, you know, Jared Anderson goalie can fly. Um, players like Drake Rimshaw, uh, again, another 2017 draft pick, really good shot. Um, he was their he was their fifth round pick. But you and I, you and I both independently noticed his shot. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because he was a player too that I think you know from what I had read about because he's a player I knew nothing about right. going into the draft. Um, and then you do research on him a little bit and. You watch videos and you see that he's he's a guy who can probably dish out some hits. He's got a good little kind of compact body that that can generate a lot of energy, uh, but is somebody uh, that certainly has a good shot. And he put it to use after his trade to to Sarnia, where I believe oh, he had you know twenty goals in his final twenty eight games or, or something with a sting this past year. Um, so he was somebody that that I thought stood out. But again, you know. It's it's you have to always weigh how old these players are, where they were playing last year. Are they Europeans? Are they coming in and playing on a smaller ice surface for the first time? So, um, with all that being said, again, all those all that context, I thought Luff looked pretty good. You know, it's funny you mentioned Matt Luff. He was a player that I stood out to me in last year's uh, development camp. He was an invitee, wound up signing a contract in August. Um, I find myself noticing immediately the taller players, right? I mean, it's just, it's, you can't help it, right? They're the guys. I noticed Kale Clay. Clay get a good camp. He's not one of the taller <laughs> No, guys, no, yeah. that is true. But I just mean, when I, you know, when they, you get them all up in a line. And so Luff was one of those guys who used his size. Another one for me was uh, Simon, uh, I don't know, I'm blanking on his last name, um, number 49, Benoit. Um, although he didn't, it was one of those things where he stood out to me in drills, but then once you see the scrimmage, all of a sudden you realize the application of those skills may be falls off a little bit. And that was where Dolan or Anderson Dolan stood out to me. He didn't necessarily pique my interest in the drills, but in the, I don't want to call it a scrimmage, but in the drills and scrim and faux scrimmage type. Yeah. But you all of a sudden you saw his creativity. You saw his tenacity. You saw, you know, he played, had a great uh, defensive play where he stood up a defenseman trying to leave the zone. He didn't even stand up a guy trying to enter his defensive zone. He stood the guy up trying to start a breakout play. Um, we mentioned the age, and some of these guys obviously have professional experience. So what did you think of a guy like Imama who comes in with a, a year or two uh, deeper into his career than some of the draft picks? It's interesting. You know, he just had his 20-year-old season. He had 41 goals, 66 games with St. John. The, the most amazing thing about that, I wrote about that this morning, was that he had a season that basically began in mid-August. The Sea Dogs went to training camp. I think it was August 17th. Then he goes to an NHL camp. And then he plays a full season in the queue. After that, he wins the QMJHL championship with St. John. Then you go play in the Memorial Cup. Then you have like basically two or three weeks off. And you want to make sure your body is still good because then you have to go to King's Development Camp. So after all of that, it's pretty remarkable that he was able to show what he has been able to show. Um, you know, he had the 41 goals this past year, but he's not. he doesn't profile as a 41-goal scorer in the NHL. Uh, and he said his game... Uh, he tries to model it after guys like Kyle Clifford and Jordan Nolan. Uh, we spoke about their responsibility, uh, being able to stick up for teammates, 
Um, this is a good character player who, who did a good job protecting the puck, which is something that this uh, Kings team is teaching during development camp. Um, you, you have your puck protection, how to fire off shots, how to be deceptive with your shots. Again, it's all very fundamental and, and basic stuff that, that gets taught in this camp. But he was another player that we had uh, our eyes on and uh, wrote about him this morning. And we'll have another uh, couple of quotes from him later today. Um, I'm not sure what time this podcast is coming. It's some time I'm in not the sure space either. of time and, and, and space. But. This is doing this live. Yeah. We get heckled from the crowd all the time. Now, obviously, it's development camp. It's not training camp. There's no positions on the line. There's no reason that things should get chippy. And yet, we had a little bit of unfriendly play, uh, courtesy <laughs> courtesy of Jacob Friend. What did you think of that hit he laid on uh, on our hometown boy? Yeah, that was the biggest hit that we saw in camp, and it followed a shift. Uh, this is, of course, the Jacob Friend hit on Evan Weinger, who was a former L.A. Junior King. Um, what I like from Weinger is that he, he got right back up after that hit, continued to shift, and on his very next shift, uh, was able to generate a breakaway, which was stopped. They had gotten into a little bit of a tussle in the shift prior, so it's interesting. It's good to see that type of emotion and that kind of fire, even in these types of camps when, you know, I guess technically you're all wearing the same jersey. Now, you had a chance to sit down with the Kings' first-round and second-round draft picks, uh, Gabe Velarde, and uh, and I'm always uh, getting his name wrong in my head, Jared Anderson Dolan. What did you think about them? Both of them only 17. What was yeah, your young, first impression? Young players. These uh, Anderson Dolan, he, he barely made the draft cutoff. I mean, this is a player, I believe, was it September 12th uh, yeah. is his birthday. Um, the first thing I will say this about Jared Anderson Dolan. He is, I would, just from having spoken with him at the draft, knowing what I heard from the Kings uh, development staff and scouts, and then having you know the opportunity to meet with him for about 15 minutes for our Fox feature, he is a better speaker and more eloquent than I would say half of NHL broadcasters. And I don't mean that to demean NHL broadcasters. This guy is absolutely fantastic in putting words together. He's a great interview. Because it's always about us. The sure. Media. Well, how good are your quotes? So you're <laughs> voting for him for the Hall of Fame uh, already? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He's, I love this guy. He's great. But no, but seriously, um, he, his speed came through. Um, you know, another player that has very good wheels, very responsible profiles right now as a center. A lot of Trevor Lewis in his game, be the way that he gets up and down the ice. Um, so, so that was interesting. Gabe Velarde did not take part in camp this past week. Uh, he has uh, what was told to me by hockey operations is a minor issue. And, of course, like Boko Imama, I mean, this is another player who had a really, really long season. So they're not going to push these guys in June. But Velarde was here doing off-ice yes, stuff, right? Yeah, here doing off-ice. You know, they were able to get out onto the beach uh, on Thursday <laughs> and play some beach volleyball. Go Excellent. The pier. I'm not sure what pier. What would that be? The Hermosa Beach Pier? Is there a pier in Hermosa Beach? I, I'm a Valley guy. I'm let's, we'll call Jack and find out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and you had a chance briefly to talk to Coach Stevens. Any insight into what uh, the front office may be thinking about some of these players? You know, that's not what this camp is for. They're right. not here to, it's not an evaluation camp. Um, and we weren't really talking about development camp at all. It was just, and again, this isn't the time right now to be asking those types of questions of is, where, where's Jeff Carter going to play? You know, where, who's going to be skating with Nick Dowd? Yada, yada, yada. This is more just about establishing structure. There will be plenty of opportunities for all those other types of questions as we get to later into camp. Um, but it was interesting to me that, you know, in laying down that structure, uh, that he went and for the players that he couldn't speak with in Southern California, uh, he traveled to North Dakota to see Paul Ledoux, traveled to Minnesota, he traveled into Ontario to go meet with players. So just wow. wanted to make sure that, that everybody's on the same page. They know what's going to be expected of them this summer coming into training camp. And that's not to say that other coaches haven't done that or that Daryl hasn't done that or another, you know, across the league, that stuff doesn't happen, but you know, it's, it's all the ability to, once you get to September, to be able to hit the ground running. And 
um, it was an interesting conversation. Uh, he uh, he uh, uh, answered a bunch of questions. It's up on uh, LAKingsInsider.com. I'm going to speak with him uh, later this summer, uh, more just as kind of a, you know, meet with him a little bit to make sure that uh, I don't drive him crazy like, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe some other Kings uh, coaches uh, in franchise history. As you said, it's way too early to start answering questions about where Carter's going to play, et cetera, et cetera. Not only because it's still June, technically, but also because free agency starts tomorrow morning. I mean, by the time most people are hearing this, it could be right Absolutely. around the week. Well, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be pushing it. But uh, So the big news, obviously, everybody's talking about is will Joe Thornton wind up on the Los Angeles Kings? I know you can't speak to that specifically. I can but, speak to that specifically. But I mean, absolutely. Is, well, then let's hear it. Will Joe Thornton wind up with the Los Angeles Kings? He's not signing with San Jose. The Kings are absolutely the favorites to be able to land. That's it's not 100%. Sanity, John that Rosen. Is so strange. <laughs> um, but that being said, it's sounding like, again, literally as I'm, we're talking about this, I'm reading Twitter and I'm finding other reports across the league and you know, Kevin Kurz, who does a very good job uh, covering the San Jose Sharks for CSN Bay Area, uh, is now reporting that uh, it looks like Thornton uh, has been uh, offered a second year from the Sharks, which would have a major impact uh, on whether or not uh, he decides to resign. I think everybody who has been following this story, um, and that, that includes me, that includes the national reporters, other L.A. reporters, all have more or less assumed that he's going to resign in San Jose. But if he doesn't, L.A. is absolutely going to be at the at or most likely at the top of his list of places to play. Um, and from the Kings' perspective, from multiple sources, he is a priority. I heard that term used, a priority, for this Kings team. Uh, say what you will about his age. I don't mean to dismiss that because he's 38 years old. Uh, he still is among and, and hasn't lost that ability in his game to distribute the puck and dish the puck. Um and he was always a player that I was going to have my eyes on ever since you learned going into this year that he was a UFA. Uh, then when you hear at the press conferences for Rob Blake and John Stevens that the Kings are looking to turn their possession uh, advantage that they've been able to build up in the NHL into actual production, a number one at the top of the list is somebody that can help out with that. And doing so gives you that very good center depth. If you have a playoff series where your centers are Andre Kopitar, Jeff Carter, uh, and Joe Thornton, you will have an advantage against virtually any single other NHL team. Um, so with that being said, obviously, uh, it's speculation once you get down the line, you know, who moves to wing potentially, because it doesn't, you know, that, that's, you're, you're not hiring Joe Thornton to be a third-line center and skate with, you know, third-line type players. You have to put him with very skilled players if you want to really take advantage of him. Those are questions that could be asked later. Um, but absolutely... Somebody that the Kings have uh, have focused on, have communicated with uh, ever since that window opened, and if he doesn't resign with San Jose, it's going to be a, a very very interesting Saturday. To be clear, if he wanted to, he could just sign with them today or, or yesterday or the day yeah. before. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's only since July first, twenty sixteen. Right. Signed with them. Yes. So, as I think you put it to me uh, yesterday, every every moment that passes, that the announcement doesn't come out that he's signing in San Jose. That's correct, but any of these moments that I read where now he's being offered potentially a two-year deal from the San Jose Sharks, mm. that runs counter to that. So it's it's interesting. It would be weird. It would be... It's hard to envision, but it absolutely is. the Kings are going hard after him. Underlined, bolded, hard after him. It's strange to think about San Jose losing not only Thornton, but also Marlowe in the same offseason. I mean, they're, for better or for worse, their identity, maybe not as a hockey club, but as a... 
as on the sports page, right? Like those two players have been there for. That, that's all. That's speculation right now. Uh, again, I still think San Jose resigns both players. Mm-hmm. I think that's a better. That's a fifty-five percent chance of that happening. If they get both of the players back, it's if they don't get those players, both of them back. Um, you know that that Thornton could potentially sign in Los Angeles. So, um, but but I mean, that's that that absolutely is a part of it. I mean, these are entrenched, cultured stalwarts of the San Jose Sharks organization. So it's hard to envision. Another player rumored to be coming to Los Angeles is uh, goalie Cal Peterson. Uh, you also wrote about him. We're going to talk to Joe Yerden from Buffalo real quick about Cal. Joining us now from NHL.com, Joe Yerden. How are you doing today, Joe? Doing good. Good to talk to you guys. We appreciate you pulling yourself away from the trade news out of Buffalo to talk to us about a, a goalie. Uh, John, you uh, broke the news that Cal Peterson set to join the LA Kings. Uh, you want to ask Joe what what he knows about old Cal? Well, well, I do, but I have several other questions first. Oh, by all means. First of all, best wings in Buffalo. Are we talking Gabriel's <laughs> Gate? Are we talking Anchor Bar? Are we talking Duff's? What's maybe a top three here? Oh, my top three. Jeez, um, I gotta my my top three right now. Well, Gabriel's Gate is definitely a top three. I can't rank them. Because each one does their own thing, like its own way. So it's it, it you get. I mean, it's the flavors are all kind of the same, but you get different stuff at each place, and it's wonderful. Like you go to, you go to Gabriel's Gate, you probably get the, the best standard wing. So that's you know if you're looking for like the tried true Buffalo wing, like that's the place to go. Uh, you have Nine Eleven Tavern in South Buffalo, which is located on like Nine Eleven. I think it's South Park Ave or something like that. That's but good context. Um, they might have the yes, it, it's they, they they might have the best sauce uh, of any wing in town. Like it's just it's beyond description. It's 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 a buffalo sauce, but it's got more stuff going on with it. But then the other place I, I it's flying up my rankings is Elmo's in I think it's Williamsville, mm-hmm. and Elmo's does a thing where they they'll double dip your wings so you can get them you know, two different ways on the same wing. And it's, it's a whole other different kind of beast as far as that goes. I mean, it, yeah, I, you opened up, you opened up the vault for me here to kind of get to, to stretch could, my legs on, on wings. And, we could go 45 minutes here. And what Kings fans don't realize, cause I have a feeling a lot of our listeners have probably never been to Buffalo. I was first there to I cover. Never yeah. Been you've never been, been but I was first there in the, uh, the frozen four in 2003 when Thomas Vanek scored that, uh, that beautiful wraparound goal, unfortunately on mm-hmm. Al Montoya and my Michigan Wolverines in overtime. But uh, in going back and visiting, uh, apart from being a great hockey city, there are a lot of good like establishments, uh, you know, bars, restaurants, all situated in different pockets of downtown. Uh, Joe has uh, introduced me to a lot of these places, and it is a great sports town. It is a, it is a completely tormented sports town, unfairly perhaps. Um, <laughs> but that, that stigma, obviously it's cold. It was very cold when we were there this past year and snowy, um, but a wonderful hockey town. And a lot of good places to go and uh, and eat bar fare, which is a staple of my diet, especially when we get towards college football season. <laughs> well, it's it, it. You mentioned the tormented sports town thing, and I, I think the food. I think the food's only gotten better here because of the of the torment. Because I mean, if you're here winning you're, and you're you're winning at everything, and you're gloating about winning, and you're doing all that kind of stuff, you're not really looking to pick out and drown your sorrows in <laughs> in, in, in alcohol and, and fatty foods. I mean. This town, I mean, you, you can go anywhere. I mean, it, it's it's weird because you know people always ask the you know what are the best wings in Buffalo. It's like 
the truth is you can go in any place in Buffalo and get good wings to get the really great ones. You got to go look for some other places, but you're not going to find a place that makes them bad here because you make bad wings here. That word gets around like wildfire and you're not going to last long because people are going to be like, well, if you can't get the wings right, why would we ever anything from your place? Um, I, I will say that I, I very much uh, enjoy going to Buffalo much more than I have enjoyed going to Utica, New York, though it was fun covering the Calder Cup. <laughs> I'm saying this because Rob McPherson is listening in on our conversation. He's with L.A. Kings Production, and uh, we spent a, a wonderful, fun weekend uh, in Utica, about five days, actually, long weekend. Uh, covering the Calder Cup. That's a whole that's a other really story long altogether. weekend in Utica. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bad, in like dog years. That's like a, a year in anyone else's life. Well, if anybody's uh, interested, in the future podcast, all the wings men with uh, Joe Yerden and <laughs> oh. John Rosen. But uh, Joe, if you're any, any anywhere near as well spoken on uh, on on goalie prospects as you are on wings, I have a feeling we're in for a treat. Um, and that leads us into that next conversation. You know, how, obviously. Uh, Kings fans might not know the history of the relationship uh, that Cal Peterson had with the Buffalo Sabres. Can you just give us a a timeline, uh, especially really over the last three or four months when uh, it became clear uh, as recently as late June uh, that that he wouldn't sign with the Sabres? Well, it's it's been interesting, to say the least, because, you know, as his career went on at Notre Dame, you know, fans really started tuning into how well he was performing and how well he played for the Fighting Irish, and, I, and a lot of fans were getting very excited about him. And especially this year when it seemed like this was going to be his last year at Notre Dame, I, th- I think pretty much everybody counted on it being his last season there. I mean, he, you know, he, he, the obviously the, the, the signing deadline was coming up uh, after the season was over with, so, you know, people were really tuning in and getting dialed in as to how well he was doing, and then, you know, Notre Dame makes a run to the national title game. And suddenly everybody's like, oh, my goodness, they're only there because this guy's been amazing in goal. He was amazing there all season. You know, he started every single game from the moment he showed up on campus. You know, it's it's one of these stories where it's like, you know, Sabres fans were getting really geeked up about him, saying, like, man, this is going to be our goalie of the future. Never minding the fact that, you know, there's a 24, 25-year-old minding the Nets now who's also pretty good. Um, but the, the, I think the realization started to set in that, the, the, the depth in the organization at goal was not good. And, you know, once you get past Minas Allmark, probably going to be the backup this year to Robin Leonard, there's not a lot behind him. There's not a lot in the system, and there's not much coming. And all the, the weight of that fell on Peterson's shoulders. Well, probably didn't even fall on his shoulders because he, you know, wasn't, wasn't really on him pressure-wise. But, you know, fans were saying, like, well, we got nothing after we got these two guys here. And... You know, fans were really hoping that you know once the season was over, it was like, all right, well, you know, he's got to, you know, he's got to sign. He has to sign. And then, you know, people started digging into the CBA and learning what it means to, to do things. Like, well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have to sign. He could play his senior year at Notre Dame. He could stay in college. And and then Sabres fans have to like wait it out a whole other year to see if maybe he'll belong. And then when once he announced he was going pro, and that announcement wasn't also coupled with uh, a signing with the Sabres it basically meant he was not coming here. And I think that realization slowly dawned on everybody. And, you know, then the, uh, the, the call became, well, we got to fix the draft system. We got to make it so you know, these college kids can't do this, blah, blah, blah. But I think I, I want to say that I, I, I really think that what, once Tim Murray was, was fired, I think a lot of people thought, well, that's it. It's not going to happen because this, you know, I think I'm trying to think back. I think Murray, I want to say Murray was the guy that drafted him. I'm off by a year he wasn't. 
but I, but he was a guy that Murray was, was tracking all along, but um, it, it sure didn't feel, I would say within the last year, I, it, that, that feeling really wasn't there very strong that they were going to get him. And I think that that was the slow burn for a lot of fans here that, you know, the, the Sabres were going to spin their wheels on this this whole time. And he was just going to end up walking away anyhow. And, you know, after getting a slight taste of that with Jimmy Vesey last summer, when, you know, the Sabres acquired his rights and he didn't sign, I think people were ready for it, but it's a little different when it's the guy that you drafted who walks away. Yeah. And that's the inherent in just, uh, you know, drafting uh, college players or players bound for college uh, is that there is a possibility that you could lose them after either their junior year or, or after their senior year, as you mentioned, Jimmy Vesey. Uh, there's also been, of course, Justin Schultz, uh, who was originally an Anaheim draft pick uh, before he had signed with Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking about Peterson, we know that he's a right catching goaltender. Honestly, we don't know too much about him other than, you know, he played on some teams that got a lot better uh, when he was at Notre Dame as his career progressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this was a player that wasn't really on the front of our radar. We knew the Kings would go after him a little bit because they're looking to re- rebuild their goaltending pipeline. And, you know, there could be a lot of teams that would be potentially interested in him, you know, when, when it became clear that he wasn't going to re-sign with Buffalo. But what can you tell us just about his ability, the way that he has looked when, when he has showed up at development camps in Buffalo? Well, I, I would say that he was he was the guy that drew everybody's attention at development camp, and, and not just because he would show up with the bright golden dome Notre Dame helmet, <laughs> uh, and you know, and for the fact that he was a right-handed catching uh, goalie either. I mean, it, think of it's pretty rare to think of guys that that are other-handed when it comes to goaltending, but um, Jonas you know, Hiller. watching him in development, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hiller, I was trying to think of some others really quick but but failing miserably um but i think when uh when, when i think of watching him you know here at development camp i think last year was really the first time we saw him was last summer because the, the previous two years you know just it was a crowded house goalie wise and i don't think they wanted to have everybody here but um but he was a guy who you know stood out because you know he he does have a presence in that and he has he has the ability to be athletic. He can do a lot of things. And you know, watching him at Notre Dame, I mean, you know, it's, you know Notre Dame, they're different Notre Dame than they were, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe twenty years ago mm-hmm. in hockey, where you know they were a team that were getting you know rolled over, they were getting beat up and whatnot. I mean, this team ever since Jeff Jackson took mm-hmm. over has been one of the better ones in college hockey. And I know you know that, John. That's that's. It's pretty much wheelhouse for, for, for those of us that have been watching college hockey. But, you know, you see the way Peterson's played and the way he carries those teams. I mean, these have been pretty good Notre Dame teams that he's had in front of him. And, I mean, you'd argue the team they had last year. I mean, they're that close to winning a title. and But yet he was still the standout player. I mean, he you know, there, there are games where suddenly he's facing 40, 45, maybe even 50 shots at a game. And, He's stopping, you know, 39 out of 40. He's stopping 44 out of 45. He's stopping 48 out of 50. And you're saying, well, geez, this kid's really good. And that's what he's shown during his entire career, that he had that ability to, to steal games, to win games, to just play all around really solid in that. And, you know, I think when you think of guys who did that at col- in college level, I mean, geez, all you have to do is look at John Quick. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, what he was able to do at UMass, uh, you know, the program that wasn't very good in college hockey and still bring them to the tournament, still went around in the tournament, you know, st- you know, to be able to win a game in the tournament with a, you know, a not so great team. I mean, that's, that's the kind of ability Peterson has. And my, you know, my, some of that gets hidden a little bit by playing with some good players. 
uh, at Notre Dame. I mean, you know, Andres Bjork did a, did a dynamic job there the last couple of years, but you know, this is this is a guy who's uh, to me he's the real deal. He's one of the best college guys I've seen in a, in a few years, and you know, the the Kings are getting a good one. They're getting a guy who's going to be who's going to be good. I don't know how fast he's going to be an NHL ready and NHL steady goaltender, but he's going to be a guy that, you know, you're going to be watching in Ontario probably this season. Maybe, you know, maybe he's a guy who comes in in training camp and just dazzles everybody and makes life really uncomfortable for a guy like Jack Campbell. You know, maybe that's the kind of position they're going to be in. And I, honestly, I believe that's, that's really what helps him out. What helps Peterson out in picking the Kings is that, you know, it's taken Campbell a while to kind of get himself into that spot, but, you know, Peterson's the guy who could just walk in and say, all right, well, it's not fine now. I'm taking it. I, I don't know if that opportunity was going to be afforded him in Buffalo. I don't think they wanted to push him right into the NHL, and that's that's what helped make the case for him to go to L.A. Well, L.A. now flush with American-born goaltenders. Uh, who would have ever predicted that? Joe, the position of goaltender is moving towards larger bodies, taller guys. We see, you know, goalies as tall as six foot six, six foot seven now. Um, six foot one, not exactly short, but I'm wondering how big Peterson plays in net, and and if and if he's able to compete in this new world of larger goalies. Well, you know, it, it's funny when I when I think of every time I've watched him, I've never pictured him as being one of those smaller guys. I mean, six one's not small, but I mean, you know, current goaltending. He, he certainly seems to be that way, but the way he positions himself and the way he sets up in goal, to me, you know, I'm not a goalie scientist by any means. I, you know, I'm not not going to profess to be, you know, somebody who who works at Ingold Mag and can break it all down for you. But when I watch him play, it the way he sets himself up. I mean, he doesn't really put himself in a position where, you know, he it's going to lead to obvious problems. He's not going to put himself in a spot where. You know he's going to get himself into trouble. To me, he's a guy that he's in he's in control of where he's going to be at all times. He's going to be able to get those angles down proper. He knows when to be aggressive, when to not. You know when to not go chasing after things. And to me, he's just a calm dude. And the way he plays in that, he he covers all the ground. I mean, he's he's a guy who can just you know hold his spot and do his work and be very effective at it. And you know, I try to think of some of the, some of the ways he's he's broken it down where he's where he's set up it's almost in a rope adobe sort of john quick kind of way where it looks like he's giving you something but all he's doing is daring you to take the shot it looks like he's giving you just to make the day easier for him you know what you know what type of scientist because you brought this up what type of scientist (laughs) i want to be i want to be one of those jersey scientists where you read the releases from the nhl well this jersey is 37 percent lighter and absorbs water 92 percent better than the pre like there are actually scientists people who went and got like advanced degrees in in being able to break this stuff down i'd never heard the phrase wicking before uh... Uh, maybe that's something that's just one of those like buzzwords created by one of the jersey scientists that's how much they have above us that's amazing uh joe i'm going to give you a chance to use one of my favorite um cliche in goaltending, would you say that Peterson has ice water in his veins? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I would say he's almost—he's almost a lizard, really. That's—he's—he's uh, <laughs> he's got so much ice water in his veins. He is actually cold-blooded, and—and <laughs> and I mean, it's—it's it's what <laughs> you get—you guys get talking about scientists, and it made me start thinking that—that that I want to be a Jersey scientist. I want to be one of those guys that quits NASA to specifically work on on Jersey science. 
much like those who quit NASA to work on, on, on developing and making pans. <laughs> we can get rid of the uh, the heat resistant panels on the bottom of the uh, shuttle and just lace them with the old Reebok NHL jerseys. Yeah, you know, do that, and hopefully they don't tear apart on takeoff or reentry or you know uh, when being bashed with a super pan or something. You know, it's just it's, it's just like one of those. One of those kind of deals. Yeah, I, I was I was hoping to drop the first Mister Show reference here. Right? Speaking of the Super Pan, and the question that I had written down above anything else of a scouting report on Cal Peterson uh, is: Do you see him more uh, as a Jean Baptiste Falouza or more as a Van Hammersley master billiard player, trick billiards player? <laughs> uh, I think he's well. Hmm. He's versatile. Uh, I mean, say- Van Hammersley is very, very versatile. We're losing. We just right here. You will be able to see in your metrics, Jesse, that we just lost about five hundred. Only, only because iTunes now finally offers us that kind of ability. <laughs> uh, I would say he's a Jean Baptiste Falouza because he will not be. Uh, he will not be haunted by uh, mediocrity, uh, which ah. is probably a bold enough statement at its own. Um, <laughs> And he is not only my mentor, a... but my tormentor. <laughs> <laughs> but if he can rock a tuxedo like Van Hammersley, then, you know, here's me throwing the cue down and saying, ta-da. <laughs> well, I think we are done tormenting you for the day, Joe. Thank you, as always, for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I was able to get my Mr. Show Mr. Show shots in here before you were like, oh, my God, we got to get him off the air. <laughs> this, the, all the Kingsmen podcast just so seamlessly segued into a Mr. Show podcast <laughs> that we really didn't have much time to realize this. I mean, we're launching well, three we're, new podcasts. After <laughs> well, no, thank you again, Joe. And, of course, we'll, we'll have to bring back the royal half and, and we can just have a, a great Simpsons Mr. Show quoting experience, and I, I think I thirty-seven people just posted nasty things about <laughs> me and this podcast on Let's Go Kings dot com. <laughs> well, you know what? Hey, it's 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 part of the it's part of the uh, it's part of the territory. Really, I'm trying to come up with another one, and I'm just blanking out right well, now. As, as we said earlier, <laughs> but, Joe, this is the business we have chosen. <laughs> Thank you so much, Joe. Hey, you got it, guys. Thanks for having me. That was Joe Yard from NHL.com talking to us about Cal Peterson. John, it's interesting. When a player leaves one team to come to the Kings, it's always easy to focus on what it means to the Kings. It's easy to forget what it means to the fans of that team that the player's coming from. It's tough. Um, you know, Buffalo Sabres fans, Buffalo sports fans, uh, not that this is some, you know, tectonic shift in, in the Buffalo sports scene, but uh, these are very, very, very good hockey fans. I don't know if there is a better hockey city in the United States than Buffalo, New York. And that when you're considering the Twin Cities, when you're considering Detroit and Boston, New York, Los Angeles, the strides that L.A. has made recently, um, how great Nashville was this, this past postseason. Um, but Buffalo is, is, is so, so needs, deserves just a wonderful Sabres team. And, you know, it's interesting. They, they have terrific hockey coverage in Buffalo, which Joe Yurden is a part of. Um, but... When, when I was preparing for a, to broadcast a Kings game this year on Fox, the Kings were playing the Sabres. And at first it was like, you know, geez, why couldn't it be Arizona? I know so much about Arizona and Anaheim <laughs> right. and San Jose and all these other teams out west. 
and then you do the research and my goodness the buffalo news has probably the best local hockey coverage out of any major newspaper in the u.s the minnesota star tribune i would put out there as well Uh, another excellent job too but um the work that mike harrington and john vogel do for that newspaper the work that joe yurden does the fact that all of their local sportscasters radio broadcasters have such a good key on what's going on uh, with that buffalo team uh, it makes your work a little bit easier and in preparation for games you know even when the kings are you know out in buffalo playing that one game that they tend to lose every single year because they haven't won there, I think, since 2003. It's been a while. Well, I believe the date is February 22nd, 2003. Someone I've written that 800 times. I was going to say, someone out there has a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's me. Oh, yeah. I should look at my arm. Um, but, um, you know, it's it's amazing. Uh, that is a tremendous hockey city. And it's a city that obviously has a stigma with a – and I don't want to get too deep into this because um, it's so it's, it's cold there. It's, it's you know – Yes, it's it Miami Beach. It is not. No. Um, that that the fans there, uh, once you know that that Sabres team is going to be great again, you're going to uh, you can imagine what it must have been like there back in 1999. Well, and that's one of the beauties of uh, of the internet age, right? Mm-hmm. We all benefit from the work that those people do <laughs> in a town that, as we said, I've never been to. Most Kings fans probably never been to. I like it. And you know what? It's always like an automatic that when we go to Buffalo, I call Joe Yurden up and, and we go and get wings. Excellent. Well, I, I recommend Gabriel's Gate. <laughs> Perfect. John, how likely is it that we see Cal Peterson in an Ontario rain or maybe a Kings jersey someday? Uh, most likely this coming year, uh, a goaltender in Ontario, uh, expecting to hear this uh, uh, officially announced uh, on Saturday, July 1st. Uh, the King, He's just committed to the Kings at this point, as I reported earlier in the week. Um, <clears throat> but was an absolute star for Notre Dame for the last three years, especially that first year when he was with the Irish. That wasn't as good of an Irish team, uh, and he was an outstanding player, an all-rookie for them uh, that year, their their rookie of the year. Uh, Co-MVP this past year, MVP the year before that. So you're talking about one of the best goaltenders in in NCAA hockey. Uh, The Kings have made an effort over the last two years to rebuild their goaltending pipeline. Part of that was acquiring Jack Campbell last year from the Dallas Stars in exchange for Nick Ebert, uh, and that helped plug a hole. And you can't say enough about Jack Campbell's character. I haven't watched that much Ontario Rain because obviously there's Lindsay around, the, the Ontario Rain insider. But speaking with her, speaking with Dusty Emu, uh, speaking with Hubie McDonough and those, those within the, uh, the Ontario organization closest to him, uh, they will, their eyes light up when you talk about Jack Campbell, the relationships they were able to build with him, what they had showed this past year. And look, that's one of the reasons why the Kings are going to be in uh, on some of these goaltenders, they have a track record. This is crazy to think about yeah. as a Kings fan. When you no look kidding, back right? at you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, uh, that this has just been a, a graveyard of goaltenders. I mean, we don't have to reference certain names like you know, Barry Brust or Taka Fukufuji. Um, David but, Goberty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but um, Well, didn't in Quick's first year, didn't they use eight goalies? Yeah. Or it, something it, like it, that. It is, you know, it's, it's what I think you know, previously we... What the Kings were is, you know, people also associate with the Flyers being a tough place to play goal. Um, but when you look at what Bill Ranford has done, when you look at what uh, Dusty Emu and before him, uh, Kim Dillabaugh, who's now Philadelphia's uh, goaltending coach, who's a wonderful guy, formerly goaltending development with the Kings, um, apart from Jonathan Bernier, who was a first-round draft pick, you have Jonathan Quick, a third-round draft pick. You have Ben Scrivens. He was undrafted. You have Martin Jones. He was undrafted. You have... Peter Budai, 
who was winless in the AHL in 2014-15, and then comes in and has two outstanding seasons, one with the Ontario Reign, one with the Los Angeles Kings. They have been able to show that even if you are not uh, the first goaltender, second, third, fourth goaltender to be drafted in any given year, they will help you develop. They will put you in a position to succeed if you're a goaltender. And so that's one of their main selling points. It was what they tried with with Alex Lyon, uh, who was a uh, potential Kings you know, signee. He was coming down to the Kings and Flyers. He ultimately signed with Philadelphia. And it's part of the recruiting process for Cal Peterson. So uh, there's that track record. You also have Jonathan Quick entrenched in the starter's net. But, uh, you know, the Kings have shown the ability to draft and develop goaltenders who are not the, uh, you know, the, the first or second guys you hear their name call in a draft. Well, free agency begins noon Saturday. It's going to be a fascinating couple of days. John, thanks as always for joining us. Oh, uh, my pleasure. What's my, uh, do I get any uh, outro music here? What's your I choose? dealer's choice. Well, if 